wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. North-South Connection. Welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, episode 86. Um, I'm your host, Jake, and we'll continue through July of 2003 on the road to Vengeance 2003. Joining me is Logan Crosland. What's up, Logan? What is up, Jake? Um, How proud you must be that you are quickly approaching 100 on two different shows. Uh, We got Highway almost at 100, and you're uh, 14 away from 100 here, so uh, congratulations on both. Thank you. When you start calculating the hours, it is truly a baffling amount of time. <laughs> Just completely uh, wasted on this lovely thing uh, <laughs> that we both uh, hold hold dear. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, probably a little sad somewhere in there, too, I guess. We'll see. Maybe we have to plan something special for 100 if we make it. Still got, like, 14 to go. So oh, yeah. let's not count our chickens. Uh, <laughs> Definitely a but, lot of time um, to uh, plan it out. <laughs> right. Let me throw a hypothetical. You're totally random. Nothing to do with these episodes, Logan. But let's say you are a um, a wrestling announcer slash broadcast journalist, and I said, okay, we need you to do this big interview. We have, um, <laughs> like, let's say you got an interview with this person that's suspected of being somewhat, you know, unstable. Maybe has a history of violence. You know, like, let's say you were going to interview like a uh, Ted Bundy or something. And I said, okay, don't worry, we're going to put you in the room with him, but there'll be security. And let's say like Ted Bundy pulled out, you know, like a machete and put on the table. You would think at that point, as the the interviewer, would you be uncomfortable if, uh, you know, no one stepped in at that point and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't go on with the interview? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think once that happened, I would uh, definitely probably uh, at least try to walk out of the room. The person with the weapon would might maybe bring me back and uh, maybe kill me with it. But I would at least attempt to right. run for sure. Right. You would think. Um, but we'll see, because I think in some situations they'd say, fuck it, let's go on with the interview. What could possibly go wrong? Yep. I, I think we might see that later on. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. it. <laughs> see if there's any connection. Anyway. Um, to set the table here, we are two weeks away from our next pay-per-view vengeance. So this is the, um, the go home to the go home. We'll call it that. Um, but we'll, we'll head to raw. We have no, there's a few little news notes, but I, I think, 
I'll pepper them in through the show as they become relevant. Like I have a little Goldberg tidbit uh, up in here. Or I could probably mention it up top. I don't know if they mentioned him on the show, but he is missing from this. I think he had like a staph infection or something at this oh. point that he's – yeah, I think I'd read that. So that's why we don't get Goldberg. If you're wondering as we go through this, we're all like – it definitely seems like they could have fit him in somewhere, um, mm-hmm. but I guess that's what's going on with him. So we won't see him in here. And I think there's a few if it comes up, but not a whole lot as we are in the the summer. Not always the most eventful time in the wrestling world. So um, we'll head to Indian- Indianapolis for uh, Raw. So this will be the July 14th, 2003 Raw. And we open with the highlight reel with Chris Jericho. Um, he is... Very upset. He says Raw's been thrown into chaos with all these attacks. Tommy Dreamer getting attacked and Rico. And he brings out uh, general manager Eric Bischoff, who's wearing a neck brace after the uh, vicious assault by Kane a couple weeks ago. Uh, he Eric says that the doctors originally told him he should uh, be out for eight weeks, but he couldn't sit back here and let Stone Cold Steve Austin ruin uh, Raw. And he says, I uh, can't let the show go to hell. And he ordered that Kane not show up tonight uh, due to his behavior. But instead, he'll have a sit-down interview with good old JR at the WWE headquarters in, um, in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, so he also shows, he, we see the footage of Kane assaulting RVD last week, which we did not see last week. But apparently after RVD's match, he was assaulted by Kane also as he came back to the gorilla position. Um, they show him uh, throwing him through a wall, which is... Look, I get it. It's not going to be a real wall, but this is a particularly shitty fake wall. It looked, <laughs> it didn't even look like drywall. It looked straight up like a cardboard box that they formed into a wall. It looked terrible. I don't know if you had the same reaction to this wall, Logan. Yeah, this was even thinner than the uh, Shockmaster wall. So, um, uh, yeah, de- def- definitely not their best thing. This is like when you like uh, came through the paper at the, like the pep rally. And- <laughs> in right. uh, high school like you, you you bust through it to uh, get to the uh, the seats when you uh, are ready to watch what goes on at the pep rally but yeah definitely something like that so austin comes out because he's here also he says that kane um he says that kane should be here also basically skeptical of this whole idea like why is kane not here he's a little bit sketched out by this whole interview thing with jr and he says that he should be here so austin can handle him and kick his ass and uh eric um claps back at him and says that he'll just harm more people he's here. And then he gets into blaming Austin for breaking Kane, that the reason Kane has reached this point is because Austin was trying to, you know, trying to motivate him, but he messed with someone who was mentally unstable and all of this. And I don't know if he says it throughout this, but if I was Austin, I'd be like, you're the one who came up with the fucking mass stipulation, man, not me. Like, <laughs> like he doesn't bring that up here, but that was the first thing I was thinking. I was like, Really, it could be Eric's fault because the mask coming off was a really like broken. But anyway, um, uh, Stone Cold then threatens to beat up Eric, but he says he can't do it because Eric is just too pathetic with a stupid neck brace. <laughs> and uh, Jericho then comes at him, starts uh, chastising Stone Cold, said nobody wants him here. Um, he's a failure as a GM. And as you mentioned, uh, his late his favorite line at this moment is to call people a sanctimonious son of a bitch. And so that's what he does to Stone Cold, and finally Stone Cold's had enough and gets him and gives him a stunner. Um, but um, they establish with this, like definitely the Kane story is the focal point of Raw right now. We've got the GMs involved who are always like front and center on Raw, so we've definitely moved to this as being the focal point. And I think it's at least an interesting angle compared to what we have been in Raw. I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever, and we'll see where it goes tonight. Uh, but like the 
they do have you where you want to know what's going to happen next with this. It is at least more interesting than what they've been doing on Raw before. And now we have this whole, like, as we'll see a little bit later, there's a little bit of tension with Stone Cold with his job. So at least something is happening, which is not always true of Raw. So that's a positive. Yeah, that is definitely a positive. Um, and I, I think Bench Bischoff's uh, slant uh, with the whole of uh, kind of blaming it on Austin is that he was already kind of like mentally, ch- you know, he was trying to challenge uh, Kane mentally to just like motivate him. Uh, and, you know, and he was already doing that before the mask was off. So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe he was, you know, Kane was already like mentally kind of unstable before that happened. Cause him and RVD were kind of having problems. So I, th- I think that's the thing, but like, like you said, the mask put him over the edge. So I feel like it's just as much Bischoff's fault as Austin's, but I, I think that's kind of what the point where he was coming from, but yeah, it's good to see uh, a real story and a, and a kind of interesting story that you kind of want to see what happens next. Like you said, uh, kicking off raw and just being involved in raw at, at any point, because like you said, lately, uh, there hadn't been too much going on, so um, it's, it's it's a good storyline so far. We'll see how it continues to grow from here. Right, and so our hook for the night is this interview with Kane that's later on. As we get on Raw sometimes, is they will sometimes have one of these show-long things that they're kind of holding for, so we'll see mm-hmm. how this plays out. Um, but uh, let's open this up with a bad match, so it's going to be... Um, <laughs> Uh, Kevin Nash got started on Trish versus Tess, Stevie, and Victoria. So we get a, a six-person mixed tag uh, for our uh, mixed tag of the week. Um, not much going on here. Stevie is just a crash test dummy here to take Steiner and Kevin Nash's offense. Uh, Tess is kind of being a chicken shit heel. He um, Trish ends up getting it at one point. He gets a few shots in her to get some heat in. Trish uh, snaps a neck breaker to get... Uh, on Victoria to get uh, Kevin Nash, who they're calling Big Nasty now. Apparently, they're trying to get that over. Um, I don't know about that. But anyway, he cleans up. He powerbombs Stevie. And um, that's pretty much the match. It was almost a squash. The only real offense the heels got is um, was Tess getting the cheap heat by uh, pushing Trish around. But I don't know. I'm not really that into evil Tess. I'm kind of over it. I feel like it's not getting over with the crowd. Like he's kind of becoming more of just an annoying heel than a super overheel. And the match was not a whole lot. So I ended up going to star on it. Not much to talk about with this one. Yeah. I mean, just a star, just, uh, I, I, my first note is I, I can't imagine a more outmatched individual in a match than Stevie Richards against, uh, Kevin Nash <laughs> or Scott Steiner. So, um, just he, he is so far from belonging in this match. It's not even, not even funny. Um, but Tess wants no part of the match. Like you said, uh, until Trish gets in, um, she actually gets a good number of forearms in on him, but then he absolutely blitzes her with a, uh, shoulder block and just crushes her, just nails her real good. Um, and then Nash, like you said, gets tagged in and he immediately tags out and runs. So really chicken shitting, chitting it up. Uh, and then Nash just, you know, kills him with the move, moves of doom and the, and the jackknife. So, uh, if, if for nothing else, the one star goes for the jackknife, cause I always liked, uh, Nash's power bomb. Yep. Uh, but I just, I, I can't get over the 
the like Triple H main event challenger mm. like <laughs> send offs being paired up on a team. It's mm. uh, it's rough. Um, anyway, Jericho's complaining to Eric about uh, Austin assaulting him. Uh, Jericho seems to have uh, a scheme after he hears Eric say something about company policy, so maybe he has something some something that he can use against Austin here. Any thoughts on Jericho's scheme? Uh, yeah, he just gets that. Uh, he gets that. Ooh, I, I've got an idea, kind of thing. When it, when the company policy thing keeps getting brought up, so uh, Jericho is definitely scheming here. Uh, definitely, definitely seems like he's gonna have a. He he has an idea to get Austin out, so uh, we'll we'll see what he comes up with later in the night or what it might lead to at least. All right. So if you thought the match that we watched before was bad, wait till we get to this one. So. We have uh, Lance Storm in the ring, and he is reading his uh, weekly statement about being boring. And he says, uh, if you continue to chant boring, I will be, have to seek legal action against you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> very Canadian against. But uh, his opponent this week is going to be Maven. And, you know, like Maven for me is usually like tolerable. He's usually all right. I don't know what was going on with Maven in this match, but he looked completely lost throughout this entire match. Like, Everything he did in this, he was super hesitant. Like, he reminded me, like, from PTB NXT, we noticed this a lot with the people when they're just coming up at NXT, that you could tell they're new because they, like, hesitate a lot as if they're, like, thinking about what they're going to do next because they're not really sure. Like, like I guess they just don't have enough experience to just naturally flow through things, and I felt like that's what Maven was here. Everything he did, you could tell Storm seemed a little bit thrown off by him, like, and then they start going to a bunch of rest holes. And, like, I felt like Storm was going to holds because then he knew Maven couldn't botch him because every move Maven was doing, he was kind of fucking up. Um, they can't even get the boring chant. The crowd doesn't even care enough to give them the the boring chant. That's kind of Storm's gimmick right now. Everything Maven does throughout this looks, like, janky and crappy. He does the cross body and, like, kind of comes up short with it. Um, Storm puts him in the half crab. He gets the ropes on that and then gives kind of a crappy roll up to Storm and wins the match like that. But just an absolutely terrible match. I don't know what was wrong with Maven, but he looked like absolute shit. They couldn't put anything together. I don't know. Just a train wreck of a match. I went down on this, Logan. It was real bad. Yeah, Maven looked particularly like he looked as green as grass could possibly be. Uh, and this one, yeah, it just seemed like he was. They obviously didn't have the performance center back then, but he looked straight out of the, like the first day of performance center class right here on Raw. So, um, yeah, I, I think we talked about it in you know discussions and chats and stuff throughout the week, kind of talking about these shows when we watched them. But uh, Maven seems like one of those guys that's really athletic and athletically gifted because he can jump really high. Uh, he can, you know, he's, you know, he's fit and looks, looks the part, but I just don't think he ever really got the wrestling side of things. Like, I, I, like you said, I think he's normally okay, but I just don't think for as much TV time as he gets, he never really got the rest of everything. So yeah, just a real struggle here. Um, this match was just more an excuse to get, uh, King to push the boring stuff to like, absolutely annoying proportions so yeah just a real bad match um you know makes storm look like makes storm look bad while maven is being terrible so um yeah just not a not a good match at all they, they couldn't even get the boring chant which is pretty bad all right we go to uh jr he's uh prepping in the little 
couch yard, had this little interview room with the uh, interview couch, um, getting everything ready for Kane. They kind of frame this like it's one of these like uh, like a Katie Cork interview or something when she's like, <laughs> you know, going to do like some intense sit down or like a 60 minutes type interview. But anyway, all right. We then head to La Resistance who are here to celebrate Bastille Day, um, which is basically the f- day of French independence. They sing the French anthem really horribly and like off key. Um, and I was thinking through this, like them and the crowd booing them. I was like, you know, this throwback foreign heel thing might be kind of fun if they didn't like totally suck when they actually get in the ring. <laughs> like if they were just doing this and they could were at least halfway decent or even good in the ring, I feel like I could tolerate this more. But like it always just comes back to like, I don't know. It's like a very tired gimmick and they suck in the ring. So. Mm. And then, of course, this didn't show me up because the who comes to the rescue is stupid Bubba Dudley. Well, all the Dudleys, but Bubba Dudley's involved. They beat them up, give them the 3D, and then um, Bubba wants them to sing the national anthem. So they do that, and they're pretty much about as horrible as La Resistance. Uh, it just felt like super pandering, like cheap pop city, and it's stupid Bubba. I just thought it was super corny. I did not enjoy this at all. Yeah, Bubba sounded particularly horrible singing. He should never do that again. Um, and I, I love this gimmick that they have with La Resistance where they sing the French National Anthem and they start before the commercial and then they come back from commercial and they're still singing somehow. Uh, so e- either uh, they actually don't sing through the commercial or the French National Anthem is the longest song in the history of songs. So, um or they just don't have any clue what they're singing. That that's also a de- very distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, just and and they were very happy to have Bischoff back because they did not get on the show last week. So um, uh, maybe maybe Austin should be running the show alone mm-hmm. uh, from here on out, so we don't have to watch him wrestle. But yeah, Bubba sounded terrible. Um, Spike sounded like he didn't want to do it, and uh, Devon's probably the only one that has any singing ability. So, um, maybe maybe they just let Devon sing next time. No, I guess I'll save this for. I think at this point, one of the things I read, a little backstage dirt, and you always say these with a grain of salt, but apparently, like one of them, I forget which one of them. I always remember, wasn't one of these guys like more difficult to deal with backstage? I can't remember if it was Sylvain or uh, Rene Dupree, but wasn't one of them kind of a dickhead backstage, I want to say? Rene Whatever one was, that was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there was like a story around this time that happened like backstage. He and Bubba got into it because yeah. I think he was like sucking in the ring and Bubba called him out on it and he was not like being accountable or some shit for it and they got they got into it and had to be separated or something but so some early signs of that i think here him kind of being a little having a big head considering his uh talent level so you, i think that's already starting to pop up yeah i think renee always kind of had a bad attitude he wasn't very well liked uh backstage um but i mean he's like 20 at this point so i mean <laughs> You know, any athletically gifted 20-year-old that's on national TV every week is probably going to be a shithead a little bit. Um, but uh, he may have been more of a shithead than others. So uh, I can't – I wasn't there, so I can't really say, but I do remember that being a big thing. where He was kind of a bad attitude guy. Right. So it's like two evils to me, Bubba or him. <laughs> do you want him anyway. off the screen or <laughs> – Right, I could do without either of them. 
All right, but we'll head to like, I guess this is sort of our hour one main event. It's going to be a six-man tag between Evolution and the Dudley. So this is Evolution, including Triple H with uh, Flair and Orton. And then, of course, we get all three Dudleys. It is going to be elimination rules here. So kind of shows you how little Triple H has got going on. It's kind of weird because he has been, you know, dominating the show for so long. And now we get the Kane stuff, and he's just sort of hanging out with Evolution, mainly because they don't have a pay-per-view coming up so yeah. i guess he's a little bit on the low key but anyway uh king says that Fla- he says that flair is taking pills bigger than spike which i thought was kind of a funny line <laughs> given uh, you know, flair but uh they kind of each uh the dudleys all get in there with flair for a minute so we get it's a little bit of a pop and a novelty for that and then evolution kind of uh start dissecting spike and we settle in on that for a while I did enjoy the dynamic of like full on evolution with Triple H and Orton and Flair, like them tagging out with each other. They looked very um, cohesive throughout this match. Yeah. Like they looked like a true stable and they're kind of all a little bit different. Like I did think that was a cool dynamic. And like the whole idea of evolution is a pretty cool idea, I have to say. Like even if you don't like Triple H or whatever, like just the whole gimmick of it being multiple generations of guys is kind of cool. And it's cool to see them all in the same match. So I do dig that. Uh, Orton takes out Spike uh, pretty quickly. Devon gets eliminated, of course. So we have to have Superman, Bubba. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote know, the exact uh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like taking on everyone. Uh, even Triple H levels Devon with the French flag that's out here, even after Orton takes the 3D. Uh, Bubba fights for a while, but Evolution are just too much for him. And uh, we get the pedigree, and then they let Orton take the pin. Which really, that was sort of, I thought, the point of this match was that Orton does. So obviously they sweep them. Like, they just eliminate all the Dudleys. And they let Orton get all the pins. He didn't look particularly dominant. But I do like that they're at least giving Orton something here as the young guy. Like, he's getting the the pins. Uh, So I thought this match accomplished what it should in that it shows, like, how in sync Evolution are. And giving Orton the pins to try and give him a little bit of a rub. So a totally fine tag match. I kind of accomplished that in getting Evolution over. So I went two and a half. Not a classic, but totally acceptable. Yeah, I, I went two and a half as well. I, I, I actually kind of enjoyed this match. Um, like you said, I think it was to build Randy. Um, obviously, get letting him get all the all the pinfall victories. I definitely think that was on purpose, uh, without a doubt. Um, Flair flopped uh, early off of a spike slap, and I thought that was an incredible. I laughed so hard when that happened. Um, uh, spike does the double stomp at one point, and I always thought it looked particularly brutal because he just kind of jumps off and just immediately steps on him. He doesn't like do the big pump like uh, Finn or you know Sinchi does at, at at other points. He just kind of immediately drops and lands on their chest. Um, and I also love him doing the little uh, running head ram too in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also love uh, that Flair uh, sells uh, the flip flop and fly elbow. You know he kind of, you know Bubba hits him with the with the Dusty Rhodes elbow, and he just kind of is flopping all over the place. I love that. Um, uh, the Dudleys didn't do a good enough uh, cleaning job as uh, the French flag was still uh, hanging around, like you said, and that that is used to take Devon out. And then, like you said, I and like I said, I I, I put Superman Bubba has to be shown, uh, but he couldn't uh, beat off the uh, constant interference. 
Um, and, and at the end of the match, Earl gets a pretty good shot in on Flair, which he sells uh, super well, too. So I uh, really like that uh, as well. But, yeah, I went two and a half. Uh, solid match. Uh, better than I thought it would be going in. I agree. All right. We go to uh, RVD, who's meeting with uh, Bischoff. He demands a match with Kane uh, next week. And Eric obliges and says that he can face him. So kind of building this. Uh, I think we mentioned this, like this Hollywood show. They're sort of building as their de facto kind of monthly show as we got the big mm-hmm. we have Jericho and HBK. Now we're getting RVD Kane. So some big matches for the big Hollywood show next week. Um. Which, speaking of Jericho, we see him rallying the uh, locker room, trying to get Austin fired. He's trying to get everyone to sign a petition to have Austin removed from office. So, any thoughts on this before we move to another barn burner of a match? Um, just the, uh, RVD thing. He, he, he mentions that he feels responsible for Kane's downfall, uh, but he'll, uh, finish him off next week. So, um, that, that'll be an interesting match for sure. Uh, based on how it's kind of built over the last few weeks. And, uh, yeah, the classic, uh, petition, uh, from Jericho mm-hmm. here. Uh, I feel like, uh, throughout the years, we'll see that quite a few times, uh, with, uh, many different G- GMs, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Right. And Jericho, it's like his gimmick, making lists of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, for RVD, man, you've been hard on yourself. I feel like if anyone, like, he's probably the lowest to blame. <laughs> like, the least to blame for Kane breaking. He's trying oh, to be nice right. to him, and he won't let him be. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So, our next match is going to be uh, Rodney Mack versus Rosie. After Rosie uh, Shun thugging and bugging Enterprises last week, moments after being um, added to the stable, um, Teddy talks up his face, Snoop Dogg, and Johnny Cochran, and Marin Barry, and he says they would all be uh, great replacements as GM when Stone Cold's removed from office. Um, we get to the match. Uh, it's Rosie kind of wrecking Rodney Mack for the most part. He gets him a leg drop, a splash. He's going for the Samoan drop. Teddy cuts that off. Um, Rodney gets a little blow and steals the one with that. So, um, yeah, pretty lame shit here. Uh, and then Hurricane comes out to attack Rodney Mack. And we kind of get a bit of uh, a stare down between Rosie and Hurricane that maybe uh, Rosie's appreciative. Maybe this could go somewhere, possibly. But, yeah, I don't know. Rodney Mack continues to just be a big loser now. Like, he wins this, but he needs Teddy, and he wins with a stupid low blow. Like, he looks like a complete jobber. Like, they completely given up on Rodney Mack as trying to be this like dominant brawler guy. He's just a no one. Um, I want another dud on this. I thought this was another real shitty match. Yeah, this was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I would go dead as well. Um, I, my only note is it's an absolutely nothing match, uh, and hurricane comes out to save Rosie, uh, and, and the post-match beat down. Um, I mean, I think it's clearly just a, tease some kind of partnership between hurricane and Rosie, uh, whether it happens or whether it happens soon, uh, is, is a whole different story. But, um, obviously that was kind of the point of this match. Uh, but the pre-match, uh, the pre-match promo by Teddy long, uh, he calls Austin a crack a snake. 
Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And like you said, he, he mentions all the uh, black icons in, in pop culture and society in general. Um, but he also calls Thuggin and Buggin Enterprises Players Incorporated. So uh, I, I think he, I think I wonder if they're trying to get rid of the Thuggin and Buggin name because he definitely mentions uh, calling the group Players Incorporated. So uh, I wonder if that was kind of like shunned upon or something. Somebody said something and uh, thought that they should change the name. But who knows? They are really on like the like 1995 uh, million dollar corporation level right now. Like oh, just yeah. it may be completely, worse though. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Like, yeah, yeah they're lower than that. <laughs> they are really, um, as far as like if you were to power rank stables, they are pretty low at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're amongst uh, the worst <laughs> of all time. <laughs> North South ever does a tier ranking of stables. I don't. I think uh, this incarnation of. Uh, Thuggin' and buggin' would be pretty low. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Evolution signed the petition uh, to have, and they, I think this is the first time they mentioned like Linda here that to have Linda fire Stone Cold. So obviously they're on board because it would make their lives easier or whatever. So pretty straightforward. And uh, here we go again, Logan. It's going to be Booker <laughs> versus Christian for the 18th fucking time. Uh, so I guess this is Christian's rematch. I wanted to skip this. I really just wanted to, like. I mean, you could have, and you could have made the exact same notes you made on all the other ones, and right. been exactly the same. You are one hundred percent right. Um, I should mention throughout this, uh, Coach is on commentary, yes, obviously because Jr. is doing this. I mean, so far when he's been on, I think he's been okay. I thought he's kind of showing his weaknesses here, like, um, like. I think uh, one issue I have is like King was on his bullshit tonight and like JR will always come back at King and coaches, I guess supposed to be a baby face, but he's just kind of like, like he never challenges King on anything like right here. Um, he says something about like King says, you know, like, man, evolution signed this. Now Austin's definitely gonna get fired. And then all coach has evolution signing really is big. Like, if that was JR, he would have been like, so what do you think? You think just because Evolution signs it, like, they're going to fire Austin? Like, they don't have their kind con- You know, like, he would have done something. Like, yes. all Coach does is anything King says. He just, he's like a complete nothing. He's like a, a void. There's, <laughs> <laughs> like, no spine. But, like you said, Logan, this is very similar to their other matches. You get the fo- slow Christian offense. Booker T fires up at points. Hey, big shock. We get a ref bump. Christian rolls him up, but uh, but he uses the ropes, so of course we have to restart the match again. And then literally five seconds after we restart the match, Booker T just wins with the scissors kick and retains the title. But, like, I don't get it. I don't know why they're running it back. I think it's pretty clear these guys don't have great chemistry. Um, throwing in stupid ref things every time is not – It's it was bad from the beginning, and it's just getting more and more played out as it goes. It's just these matches are meddling. Austin comes out after and like beats up Christian, I guess, for annoying him with all this. And so they just use that as a reason to have Christian sign the petition to push the angle. But just like all these other matches, I went like two and a quarter. It's pretty mediocre. God damn it, please. Let's move past this. Yeah, gentle, the, I put gentlemen's too, just in hope that this never happens again, uh, even though uh, 
from from remember from my remembrance i i'm pretty sure it does so uh i'm gonna hate that for us in the future um but yeah my my notes basically just said this is yet another match between these two christian boringly controls most most of it uh, and when booker t fires up like you said offense uh, the offense gets a little exciting the only difference uh this time is the uh, Christians the one getting quote unquote screwed by the ref, uh, you know, because it, it was going against Booker when he was the challenger. Now that Christians the challenger, kind of goes against him, and the restart goes against him. Um, but it, it works out in Booker's favor as he retains. But uh, Christian put the boots to the ref, which is why I think Stone Cold came out there and whooped his ass. But yeah, it was another ploy to get somebody else to sign the petition. So. Um, yeah, very very gentlemen's two kind of match. Um, probably will will go dud next time they have a match because I know it'll be the exact same thing. Uh, I don't even <laughs> the slogan. I they don't, don't even to. try to make it different either. That's the that's the amazing thing. It is the exact same match mm-hmm. we watched when he won the title. Right, and they really have like even with the ref stuff, it's not like oh man they're cooking and then the ref night like nah they just they don't gel well together. It's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. All right, we see uh, Jr. has received a gift from Kane, and uh, he puts it. <laughs> Kane gives him this gift, and they just put it on the table. So um, you know the guy who went on a, a rampage last week and was like assaulting people and butting people that we're pretty sure is extremely mentally unwell. It's just not even, you know, check out what the gift is. Guys, a bomb, like, <laughs> what you have, but that's all good. No big deal. So how we, how we just menacingly gives it to him. <laughs> JR's like, oh, you got me a gift. Thank you, pal. So it's just, it's just insane. <laughs> Anything could have been in there. <laughs> right. uh. All right, let's go to our next match. It's going to be our new women's champion, uh, Gail Kim, and she's going to be facing Molly Holly. Uh, poor Gail gets no reaction from the crowd. They <laughs> care less. It's rough, especially given she's a new champ, supposed to be our new hot champion. Um, most of this match is just like Molly kind of grinding her down with like face locks and stuff. And then Gail Kim comes back and tries to use her athleticism again. Um, but Molly uh, grounds her. And uh, then Gail Kim comes back, gets her Rana, which is like her signature move. Like pretty much all of her, like I'd say 80% of her offense is some variation of a Hurricane Rana. So, and then she hits a drop kick and then uh, kind of does like the Rey Mysterio, like Hurricane Rana to a roll up sort of thing. Like he'll kind of do sometimes on the West Coast pop too. And she wins with that. But, you know, she's got a few moves. Her Rana's look okay, but... They've really done nothing to establish her or, like, get her over for the most part except bring her in and letting her win the title. Like, they haven't established really any kind of character about her or anything like that. So, like, the crowd's just totally not buying into it. Um, I want to start in the match. It was not, you know, it was kind of a, an enhancement match for the most part, but the crowd is just giving her nothing. And they're, it's not really her fault either. Yeah, I, I went a little bit higher. I just went a star and a half. Um, I, I, I pointed out kind of the same thing you did that Kim Kim is pretty green but she uh she's very athletic her athleticism's uh pretty undeniable um I I mostly went a little higher than you because I thought Molly did really well in this as kind of the general uh in the ring uh kind of controlling most of the match definitely think she's one of the most underrated uh I've always thought she's one of the most underrated women's wrestlers kind of in company history I feel like she's really good at just uh, kind of being that ring general, like I 
said, um, I, I feel like character wise, she was around for the perfect time because she kind of fit in with like oh everybody else is in bikinis and stuff like that, and she's the uh, tight wide kind of uh, <laughs> uh, prude character. Uh, I think that character worked really well for this time, um, but. Uh, I would like to see like a prime version of her go against the girls of today because I think she should she could have some really good matches with them. So uh, definitely, definitely character wise, I think she fit into this time period. But I would like to see her kind of wrestle in her prime uh, against some some of the ladies that wrestle today. But I thought it was a solid enough match. Uh, I I think I would like to see this get a little bit more time because I think uh, they could put put together something a little bit better uh, if if given that time. But solid little match. Totally agree. Molly, very talented. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, it's a shame, yeah, that she's on there where she gets to maybe showcase as much. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So we're going to get to our, our, I guess, really our main event of this show, which is going to be our interview. So uh, Kane comes in, he has him open the gift, and it's a gas can. And he says that if um, Jar makes fun of him, he's going to light him on fire. And they're like, all right, cool. So totally fine. Let's still do the interview. He's threatening. To light him on fire. And as we've seen, um, you know, Kane totally knows how to interpret whether someone's making fun of him. So he totally won't misinterpret this, and you know, like he's done before. Um, JR is very calm. He's trying to be the calming presence here. Um, so he kind of shows all the footage of this whole Kane saga, uh, you know, and he says he wants to know why, you know, why Kane, why are you... Um, you know, why are you so angry? What's going on? Kane says that the fire turned him into a hideous monster and seeing his face brings him pain. So why would he want everybody in the crowd to um, to see his see his face and bring him more pain, et cetera, et cetera. And so Jr. points out that he doesn't even have any scars like he seems totally fine. Kane gets very upset and says he's just like the doctors who told him he was fine. So um pretty much establishing that these are all like delusions of Kane's. Like he thinks his face is a lot more fucked up than it is. Like mm-hmm. he's overall fine, but in his mind he does. So it's like part of his delusions or whatever. JR says that what he sees is a man that needs help. And JR says he knows what it's like to be made fun of him, um, alluding to his own, you know, struggles with Bell's palsy mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And he says, you can't let stupid people stop you from living your life. Everyone respects Kane. And uh, Kane then comes back and says, "JR is just like the people. He's going to make fun of him when he leaves. Um, so at this point, Stone Cold comes out to the arena where they're broadcasting this interview on the Titan Tron. And uh, he says, Kane, they're trying to, we're trying to help you. Uh, he says, Kane says he wants JR to know what he's been through. He grabs JR, knocks him out. All the time, Austin is screaming at the trial, like, Kane, Kane, come on, Kane, no. Um, he's trying to reason with him. <laughs> He throws JR on the ground, pours the gas on JR, the absolutely worthless security come in, like the word, come on, Kane, don't do it. Please, no, don't, Kane, stop. No, don't do it, Kane. And then he lights, I put in quotation marks JR, because it's like, I don't know what the, I guess it was like a person. I mean, whatever it is, it's moving. So I guess it's maybe someone in a burn suit. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it sure as hell is not JR, that's for sure. It's either like, <laughs> So, so it's like, like a stunt man with some kind of thing, yeah, 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 right. And it's like barely moving. The overdub scream while he's on fire, it's like so clearly not even in the same room 
like pre-recorded terrible JR scream go ah, ah, but it's it's bad. <laughs> it's very overdubbed. Then finally Kane walks away. They come with the fire extinguishers and put him out like he's a fucking bag of garbage. They got lit on fire. Um and so everyone is is stunned here. Eric comes out into the arena um, very quickly, as he's known to do, as we cover Logan. Like he, the moment this happens, he pops out. He blames Austin for it. Austin looks disheveled, and he says that next week they sign the petition and that Linda McMahon will be at Raw next week to fire Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so, all right. I didn't think this was that bad to continue the character thing until they got to the cheesy burn scene. I think there's a lot better ways you could have done this and not have it come off as so hokey and like weird, like really low grade horror. Like to me, this is where like we maybe are going to jump the shark with the cane thing. Like, I think it's actually been pretty, pretty good the way they've done the stuff with Kane. Um, I think it's a little, over the top, how he misinterprets everyone. It doesn't always come off as believable. Like right here, he's like, you're just like the people. You're going to make fun of me when I leave. It's kind of ridiculous. But it's been all right. But then this lighting jar on fire and the stupid cheesy overdub scream, it's like now they're moving into like cheesy, like bad horror villain stuff. And I don't think this is direction. Like I get they want to use JR because it's an easy way to get like – Cause like if Kane is kind of on the fringe where you're not sure if he's heel yet, this will get him over as a heel if they want to be a heel. But I don't know if they need to do the lighting on fire. He could have bloody Jr. or something. Yes. I think that would have been much more effective than doing something so hokey and corny. Yeah, he could have just beat his ass or like choke slammed him <laughs> off the set or something like that. Yeah, I thought the interview part was pretty good. Uh, I think it kind of unlocked a little a little bit more of like what Kane's going through, and obviously that the scars are more emotional and mental than they are physical. Of course, uh, whether the fire when he was younger happened or not, you know, what, whatever you want to say about his backstory, but um, it, it unlocked a little bit more of that. And that, you know, people had told him to get help when he was younger and he obviously ignored him back then. And uh, it made him angry back then. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's more why he attacked, or lit him, attacked him and lit him on fire is because he was just kind of trying to get him to get help. And he like, doesn't think doesn't understand or doesn't think he needs to do it. I don't think he ever really thought he was going to make, or he, he, he said something about him making fun of after, but I don't know that he knew that that was going to happen necessarily, but uh, he, he did, he did get angry at the fact that he said he should get some help. So, um, but yeah, the, the lighting on fire, um, it did work on a like a nine or ten year old me, however old I was at this point, because scared the shit out of me. But Kane scared the shit out of me in general at this point. So, um, so it worked on that. Worked on that. But yeah, nowadays, now that you can kind of tell that uh, Jr. clearly isn't the one getting set on fire, it kind of uh, ruins the moment and makes it look super super hokey. But yeah, he could have beat the shit out of him, bloodied him up, or you know, choke slammed him off the little platform that they were sitting on, uh, and it would have worked. Uh, it probably twice as well. So, um, but yeah, the interview itself probably or definitely wasn't that bad. I thought it was actually kind of insightful. Right. I think there's, uh, I don't know the burn thing, just execution. It's, it's cause that's your whole, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like what you're worried they're going to do is do this kind of dumb shit. Like, instead of just having him be this like violent character, like him blooding to people, that's all good. Like you can kind of go that horror way, but now he's like lighting jail on fire. Like what is it going to kill him? Like it's just <laughs> not in the WWE, like 
you know, obviously we've done Lucha Underground. That's a different, but they've kind of set that up in our world. In this, where we're trying to at least have some kind of <laughs> suspension of disbelief, like, I don't know. And then the believability of, like, why would they even let this go on? Like, they're all so worried, like, he's not allowed on Raw, but we're going to let him bring a fucking gas can and basically threaten to light him on fire. And they're like, all right, let's just still do the interview. It's all fine. Like, at the corporate headquarters. <laughs> yeah, like, the, it's kind of, it's a little ridiculous. But Well, as we learned today, that might not have been the worst thing happening at the corporate headquarters, so... Correct. Uh, <laughs> a man being lit on fire. Uh, but that's how we uh, that's how we round up the show with Jr. getting um, burned up. And the last thing is like I don't. It's a good way to get over a heel, right? It's like a tried and true method. They've done this many times before. Jr. is so beloved, and he's like so. <laughs> I hate to say, it, like he's so weak and defenseless. <laughs> like it's. You know, like he gets a lot of sympathy from the crowd, but I feel like you can take that out because now people are going to like it becomes less sympathetic when it's so over the top that like we know it's like a dummy being set on fire. And then his whole body like him like trying to get up at the end. It looks ridiculous. So, um, but anyway, that wraps up raw. I thought this was a pretty, pretty bad raw. <laughs> like I rarely do I have multiple duds on these. There was really no good match. I mean, the best match was the Evolution match. Um, I think this main event angle maybe could have saved it a bit, but I think it was kind of 50-50 because I did like the interview, but the light on fire is a little cheesy. So I think I'm going more 3 out of 10 on this show just because, like, most of I me, mean, how many bullshit, shitty matches do we have on this show? Way too many. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think we both liked that uh, that evolution tag, but it, it still wasn't great shakes or anything like that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, two and a half is what we went on it, but it's just, it, it's not, it wasn't like all, all time or anything like that. It wasn't like a great two and a half. It was just, you know, basic and, and, and good enough uh, to get that score. But um, yeah, just real, real, real rough uh, in-ring stuff. Um, it's kind of saved by that last uh segment for sure um not that you know, like like we said we, we had our complaints about it as well but i, I think the interview itself was really and, good but, and it is ahead. memorable it's like it's a moment no. everybody remembers you know yeah from. so yeah yeah definitely um but yeah I, i'd go three out of ten as well just a just a terrible terrible raw <laughs> right exactly when that's like the high point i mean it's just yeah. there's just too much actively bad on this mm-hmm. yeah all right all right, let's see if SmackDown fares better. But let's hope the next week, because they have built that up as a big show, so maybe Raw will redeem itself next week. Uh, but we'll go to SmackDown as they are moving towards the pay-per-view. So this will be live from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's going to be the July 17, 2003 episode of SmackDown. Um, fun fact, uh, did you know this one was actually taped on a Sunday, apparently? Really? I did not know that. That's interesting. Because of the, uh, I think the SmackDown crew was on like an Asian tour in Japan or something. Uh-huh. Hmm. Cool. So, That's special Sunday edition. <laughs> all right, Vince opens the show. Um, he's just pretty much reiterating all the Zach Gallon stuff. He says Zach Gallon won the match because of Kurt Angle. You know, it's just him retelling the whole story in Vince speak. Tonight, he says Kurt will get a lesson as he's going to have the same match that Brock did last week as he's going to have to fight Big Show and World's Greatest Tag Team in a handicap match that's going to be no DQ, false count anywhere. Uh, Brock interrupts him. Uh, man, this 
<laughs> can't believe this is the opening segment, uh, given uh, the day we're recording this. But anyway, we'll get into it. Uh, Brock wants to face Vince. Uh, Vince says he'll take Brock on a fight, but not tonight. And he says that uh, Brock has the night off. Um, and if he interferes in the handicap match tonight, he'll be stripped of the title. Um, and then there's the thing about Brock on these promos too. Like I've had a lot of complaints about him, what they've done with his character, but like here they give him a talk. I feel like all Brock's when he's going back and forth with somebody, he just repeats what they just said. Like right here, Vince says like, uh, there's going to be no DQ. And if you interfere, you're going to strip the title. And then Brock just gets like, so Vince, if I interfere, I'm going to get stripped of the title. It's going to be no DQ. You're going to not let me get in the match? And it's like, yes, that's what he just said. It's like he has no idea what to say. So he just, like, he does this with Kirk, too. Like, Angle will tell him something. He just repeats what the person just told him. I don't know. I guess because he doesn't know what to say. But anyway, um, he says he can't have five Vince, so he tells him F you instead. Um, this is pretty basic, like, Vince setting the table, like, where Vince comes out and sets up whatever's happened on the show. And it's just them trying. I feel like they're just trying everything with Brock. It's like. All right, this week we're going to do, we'll try out like him, you know, trying to go back and forth with Vince and being like anti, you know, like challenging the boss, that sort of thing. And to me, it felt kind of flat. It felt very unnatural. Like he didn't really hold his own on the mic with this. So again, just another thing that doesn't seem to really work for Brock at this point in time. And Mm -hmm. the rest of it was just kind of Vince telling us, you know, what's going to be the main event for the night and then complaining about Zach Gower. Yeah, um, yeah, Brock did not uh, come off very well here, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, these these things are just punishment for uh, Kurt and Brock helping Zach win the win the tag match for or the handicap match from a few weeks ago. Um, so you know he banned. Well, like we didn't know this uh, going in, I don't think, but he got uh, he banned Kurt Angle from the from ringside. Uh, last week to kind of teach Brock a lesson, and now he's teaching Kurt a lesson. So uh, evens it out uh, with both both offenders uh, in that situation. But yeah, Brock uh, not not the strongest on the mic at this point. So um, I think we're this, I think this is one of those times where uh, we kind of understand why he had Paul Heyman. He's had a Paul Heyman all these years because uh, it's probably better off that way. He's good for his one one liners, and uh, you know he he says a few things, but uh, at this point he. He's definitely not very comfortable on the mic. And uh, like you said, he just kind of repeats a lot of what everybody else says. So, um, so you, don't yeah, think not, I'm good, you don't think I'm good on the mic, Logan? You think I, I just repeat stuff? I don't. I, th- I think you do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, not, not the strongest opening segment for sure. So. All right. Let's go to a semifinal U.S. title tournament match. It's going to be Chris Benoit. Um, versus Matt Hardy, possible banger on paper. I'll say, uh, uh, the, our Matt facts tonight is that Matt tans only with only a sock on, presumably on his penis. And, uh, Matt's beard is cooler than Benoit's, which I thought was funny considering Benoit. I mean, unless I'm missing something, maybe he's got some scruff, uh, but you know, he's, I wouldn't call him like a intensely bearded man, Chris Benoit. I mean. He has yeah. a very patchy beard. I feel like he always has hair on his face, but it's never in like a full, yeah. like, you know, like it, it, there's, there's always hair there, but it's not like a full beard for some reason. So yeah, that right. is funny. I guess that's why Matt's is better, but 
Um, yeah, I, I, I would like is, to think he wears the sock on one foot and uh, everything else gets tanned. <laughs> right, he has this scrotum toasting in the tanning bed. And I, uh, before, we move, uh, before we move on, I don't know if we mentioned, but I think uh, Brock actually challenges Vince to a match in that opening segment, so uh, right. that could be interesting too. Yeah, we'll see. That's true. Yeah, because he, yeah, they literally do say a match because they, it was like a fight, and he's like, "Oh, I upset them, but not tonight." Yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the match, real stiff match. Like they are beating the piss out of each other. Oh, like yes. Matt gets busted open pretty badly in this one. Uh, like hard way. I think he's like bleeding from the mouth. But um, he's kind of. I thought Matt was pretty good holding his own when they were exchanging the holds in the beginning. Like he didn't look out of place doing that with Benoit too much. Uh, Shannon Moore makes his appearance uh, to keep Matt in it with a few interference spots. Um, just like dropping some bombs here. Like uh, Matt hits multiple side effects on this. He does the throat slash at one point and goes for the Benoit head button misses. And I absolutely love the, uh, the finish to this match as it's, uh, like, uh, he goes to do the side effect from the top rope and midair, uh, Benoit just twists into the, um, cross face and lands on it and then taps him with it after that. So I really thought that was an awesome finish, but just a good hard hitting match. You got Benoit throwing the Germans. They were just beating the piss out of each other in this match. And I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a quick match, but it was, it was a good few minutes of this. So I went three on this. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one as well. I actually went a tad bit higher than you I went three and a quarter. Um, I, Benoit immediately goes for the victory, uh, showing his desperation of him uh, him wanting to win the match quick. Um, he goes for an early cro- cross-face attempt on that. Um, throughout the match, Benoit chops the absolute shit out of Hardy, like you said, that was super stiff. Um, he's only really able to g- gain the advantage uh, because the ref is kind of helping him out of the ropes long enough for Shannon uh, to come in and hit a neck breaker. But uh, Benoit gets a payback and absolutely destroys uh, Shannon with a suplex to the outside. So uh, it had a pretty nasty landing. And like you said, um, Benoit slams Matt so hard at one point on the mat uh, and either busts his nose or his mouth. I don't really know what got, uh, what got hurt there, but yeah, he's definitely bleeding pretty bad from either his mouth or his nose. Um, Matt gets increasingly frustrated because he hits uh, two side effects, but uh, Benoit will not go go down uh, that way. Uh, he he attempts uh, Benoit's uh, flying headbutt, which I thought was uh, with which I thought was funny, uh, and obviously Benoit moves so further, probably destroying whatever uh, facial injury he had uh, go, going into that move. Um, uh, Benoit obviously comes back and hits his own, uh, or tries to hit his own, but Matt also moves. Uh, but yeah, real back and forth. I, I liked the ending, like you said, uh, how he turns it, uh, the second rope attack into a, uh, cross face. So yeah, really cool finish, really good match, uh, kind of unexpectedly. Yep. So Benoit, not surprisingly, um, makes it to the final and will compete for the, uh, the U S title in the final. All right, we go to Stephanie. She uh, speaks with Vince. He says that uh, they, uh, that Sable isn't here, but she has sent Stephanie uh, a gift, and it's some uh, it's some Midol Logan. You see, because <laughs> she's a woman, saying that she's on her period. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good. Yeah. Good humor there, uh, Vince. Good job. <laughs> real funny stuff. Real. Real gut buster. Mm-hmm. I was a real neat slapper there. 
Lame as fuck. All right, Brock is leaving the building, and Kurt stops him. Uh, speaking, speaking of lame as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's leaving. The, yeah, Kurt stops him, and he's like, um, what are you doing, man? And he's like, uh, he's like, what? I'm leaving. He said, I can't do anything. And Kurt says, you can't listen to that jerk. Uh, then they kind of, like you said, Logan, they it's very teen soap opera-ish here. Like, uh, what are you doing, man? You just going to leave me like that? It's like, what? What do you want me to do? He told me I can't. Then they, like, kind of laugh it off. And then Kurt says he'll be able to handle it. Like, yeah, very teen soap uh, like argument they have here. It's like, what are you gonna do, man? I thought you were there for me. It's very corny as yeah, usual. This, with these two. Yeah, this is very uh, Brandon Walsh with uh, Dylan McKay or uh, Steve <laughs> Sanders from Nine O Two One O kind of conversation. Like, you're supposed to be there for me, man. Oh yeah, yeah. He said you couldn't be there. Sorry. Yeah, we're good, man. Cool. Uh, and then you know Brock just goes away. But yeah, just another good flirting segment, or not good, but very lame flirting segment between the champ and uh, his future challenger. So much sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time. <laughs> All right, we have what could be a low-key dream match here. It's going to be Jamie Noble versus Ultimo Dragon. Uh, sounds really good on paper. Um, Noble comes in hot. He's on the mic and apologizes to Tori and says that 10000 was a low-ball offer, and he's going to offer 25000 for it. Nitty is shocked, and she's pissed off and storms away um, before we get into the match. Uh, I mentioned it last week, but the, the dinosaur noise during Ultimo Dragon, but I pinpointed it. I think I messaged you this. But it, I think it is the exact uh, sound that the Green Ranger Zord makes on Power Rangers. So <laughs> another thread I throw on my podcast is talking about the fucking Power Rangers because I was obsessed with Power Rangers for a good like three years of my life. So. Yeah, it was, it was a good part of all of our childhood. So uh, definitely not. You're definitely not alone. I was there as well. So, yeah. uh, yep. We millennials, mid millennials. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, just the Green Ranger. Remember his Zord? Going, I think it must just be like whatever's like the stock sound effect for like a pterodactyl or something. I, I, I believe it's, I mean, th- that's supposed to be a dragon sound, I assume. Right, but right. Yeah, sure. that is not what a dragon sounds like. Right. Not a uh, anyway, the match itself, some cool spots in here. They get like no time, though. Uh, the Asai Moonsault is good as always. I like Noble drop kicking Dragon while he's midair. But then uh, Noble is distracted by Billy and Tori on the ramp and then gets rolled up by Dragon. So really barely even a match. I feel bad in this one star because I think obviously these guys are capable of a lot more. But they literally just gave it like two minutes and then you just get a pretty basic distraction finish. So like we've said, they don't seem to have my, many plans for... Uh, Ultimo Dragon getting over, unfortunately. So um, this is what we get. It was pretty much just an excuse to push the Noble versus uh, Billy and Tori storyline. Yeah. Uh, I, I went one and a half. I, I thought they did enough cool stuff to deserve that rating. Um, this is one of those that I felt like at one point I kind of noticed one of those random jump cuts uh, that we've kind of talked about before with SmackDown oh, yeah. in the middle of the match. So. I wonder if there was a real bad botch in there. They they kind of seamlessly transition it, but it's like the camera's facing one way and then it like flips to the other side of the ring real quickly. So I, I, obviously this real meticulous kind of pointing it out, but um, 
yeah, I, I just wonder if that was something that happened. Um, but like for for what we got, I thought Dragon looked really good. Um, but I continue to hate that he has to help get help to win matches. Uh, you know, we we talked about him losing to Eddie in the tournament. I hate that he loses, and and even when he does win, he has to have some help. So, um, yeah, like you said, just not not much. It doesn't seem like much is going on. Uh, with dragon and his booking. So, um, but yeah, I, I, to go back to the pre-match promo, I did like the upping, upping of the offer for, from Jamie. I thought that was pretty funny. They shot it super well too, because he's saying it and they just like, they shoot it where uh, Nitty is like right behind him the whole time. So you can just see her expression slowly like change <laughs> as he, as he keeps going on and on about it, which is mm-hmm. pretty good. All right, we go to John Cena. He is uh, in a pre-tape uh, segment where he's in a graveyard rapping. And so the the gist of his rap is that Undertaker is fake, like saying that he's, uh, you know, he says he's a dead man, but he's not, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he kind of throws in, of course, <laughs> of course, Cena at this point always has to make a gay joke. So he says something about him sharing a coffin with Paul Barra. Um, and then he ends it by saying that you're not a dead man, you're a dead issue. And then he pisses on a grave which i don't know whose grave it is because but i guess it's just symbolic of him pissing on undertaker but you know it was entertaining he, he gets you on with these raps i i didn't have any big lines in this one i did i the only one was like him sharing a coffin with paul barra mm, yeah not, not his best rap um and you you obviously don't see his uh member or anything but uh you actively do see piss coming out of uh, coming out of <laughs> somewhere so um, it's a street, yes. i was definitely not expecting that so um but uh yeah not one of his best reps but I, I do think it was cool to kind of put him in that setting um you know just not do the random rap in the middle of the ring so kind of a cool little um little cool little area for him to kind of uh cut, cut that in so definitely good 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 thing yeah i'm always a sucker when they do kind of like more of an old school little pre-tape vignette kind of thing mm-hmm. so they kind of win me over automatically a little bit when they do these mm-hmm. like how they did the chavo and eddie pre-tapes where they like drive around the suburbs i enjoyed those too gotcha mm-hmm. yep. all right uh we have the apa who recently turned they're handing out invitations to the apa invitational barroom brawl um, I really enjoyed this cause they go to, um, Brian Kendrick and they think he's like an actual child, <laughs> which is awesome. Like, uh, like, oh man, he can't do it. That's just a kid. <laughs> we know you're not 21, but we'll let you in anyways. And he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm way over 21. I'm good. <laughs> oh, great. And then randomly we have Canyon here. Um, who says that he he's not gonna be able to make it because this cable guy is coming? Um, <laughs> so and then um, they get in this whole thing about how they want to be paid to kick ass or something, and um, mm-hmm. which I guess was like the original idea of the APA. But anyway, um, I don't know. This was pretty fun. The spanky thing really got me. <laughs> that was real great. Yeah, they want to pay people to get come to this uh, bar room or bar brawl invitational. It's so it's so stupid, but so so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean that their original gimmick was kind of getting hired to kick some people's ass. That you know some whoever wanted to pay them, uh, whoever paid them, they kicked the ass of the person that they wanted wanted them to. So um, yeah, just but but now they're getting people to pay them to kick their own ass. So <laughs> uh, definitely an interesting segment. 
I like that. I love like, these random canyon appearances. Always oh, pop yeah. me. Yeah, and he's super good in them, so it's just uh, it's just a tragedy they never used them better. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to let you shine with this one, Logan, because I know you're <laughs> excited about this. And so we're going to get uh, um, BFFs Kidman and Rey Mysterio are going to be in tag action, and they're going to be facing the Conquistadors. So... Could you tell us, Logan, what uh, version of the Conquistadors is this? Is this the ones we saw back in the 80s? Who are these Conquistadors? <laughs> well, these uh, Conquistadors are wearing, I, I believe they were wearing black. Um, the former Conquistadors were gold, I believe. Um, but uh, Taz informs us that uh, they are Conquistador 45 and 47. Um, he tells us that the blonde is number 47 and the one with the darker hair is 45. So um, I don't know if you want to talk about the match or if you want me to reveal who they were. You can reveal it because the match is not a whole not a whole lot happened in this match. OK, so these these are masks, but they're not really hiding any facial features or anything like that. So 47 is very clearly uh, the future Rob Conway that we will get uh, introduced to on Raw in about a month or two, I believe. Um, and I, I don't really think I ever saw his face, but 45 is most definitely Nick Dinsmore, who will eventually play Eugene, uh, that we will also get on Raw within the next year or so. So I could tell it was him because he has a very signature howl like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> like Lex Luger does. So I could definitely, and he kind of walked like Eugene, if that makes sense. Like, like I, I just, I knew it was him from yeah. like... <laughs> square one yeah. because he did the howl and then he did a very signature walk so uh I, I i am a psychopath i know but i definitely noticed that both of those guys were the uh conquistadors in this situation and conway definitely the most juiced conquistador i think i've ever seen in my entire life he was mm. he was ripped yeah, he was blonde, so I kind of thought it. I actually kind of thought it was Chase Stevens at first from our uh, Highway to the Impact Zone chat because it kind of looked like him. Uh, but yeah, he was very jacked. But yeah, definitely Rob Conway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he had the short trunks on, which uh, he did not have the Conquistador full body suit on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're only gonna cover up that rock and bod. Well, mm. yeah, lots of jokes. Taz is great in this, talking about Conquistador 45 and 47 and <laughs> all this and. Uh, he makes all kind of jokes about that, but uh, the we see world's greatest tag team watching backstage. I guess the Scout Ray and Kidman, but the match is a total squash. I mean, the Conquistadors get a couple shots in the middle, but it's all about Ray and Kidman doing their high flying stuff, and then they win with a six one nine to a shooting star. So I just gave it a standard one star rating for um, a squash, but uh, Kidman and Ray look good as they do usually. Yeah, one. I, I thought it was a. I thought it was a really fun squash. Um, really good teamwork by Ray and Kidman, like you said. The finish was particularly good. So, yeah, really solid squash. I, I definitely enjoyed it, and I enjoy them as a team uh, and showing what they can do together uh, in this match, despite it being against a couple of couple of goobers. All right, Vince is back again. It feels like they like have no idea how to fill the show right now, so we're just trying Vince back out here again to run his mouth. Um, we find out that Sable is in the luxury box, actually, um, and he rants that Sable's stalking her prey. Of course, that's Stephanie. And then he moves on to Zach Gowan. He says that Zach Gowan is a sickening amputee, and he says he, his whole thing here is all about how, like, the crowd, like, the reason that they cheer for him is because he's disabled, and they want 
they do that because they want him to keep away from them. He's like saying all this stuff like you donate to charity so you can keep the deformity away from you. And I like have no idea what he's he's like. He's like you're actually uncomfortable with it and you want it away from you and you hate him so much. It, it was a, a weird tirade, but. Um, but he says, don't worry, because he's going to deal with it, and then he's going to put Zach Gowan out of his misery. So, very bizarre rant. Well, then, <laughs> this, and then randomly Cena interrupts him. Uh, he comes out. Um, Vince is, like, shimming to the Cena music a little bit in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cena pretty much comes in and, like, gasses him up and kisses his ass. And uh, he said that Zach Gowan's no competition for him, just like Ted Turner wasn't. So, Vince is really into that. He says, uh, he makes all these jokes saying, what's better than a one-legged wrestler? And he says, being able to walk. Uh, Vince says, word life. And then uh, Taker rolls down the motorcycle to stop their little love fest. And uh, he kind of makes quick work of Cena and uh, cleans out the ring with that. But um, just some strange rambling from Vince on this, trying to hype up the the Gowan stuff. Um, again, I feel like they're just trying to fill time on the show, but... Um, my big takeaway too is that they just continue to show more confidence in Cena because yeah. it's really no reason for him to be out here with Vince, but they probably just thought it'd be entertaining, right? Yeah, I, I was uh, very shocked that he was the person that came out and interrupted him. Um, but yeah, Vince talks about uh, Sable's animalistic tendencies at the beginning of the promo. Um, like you said, he cuts that weird promo about being uncomfortable around handicapped people in general. Um, like you said, he, he talks, he's going to do what mother nature couldn't do and put Zach out of his misery. Um, yeah, Cena, like you said, panders, uh, to Vince, uh, with the little special rap about his match with Zach. Um, and then Taker comes out and clears the ring of him pretty, pretty quickly. They brawl for a second and I think Cena kind of realizes he's not going to end up on top. So he bails pretty quick. Um, I will say that Cole in one of his classic like WWE corporate uh, like trademark getting over a new nickname kind of things calls Taker the pain syndicate when he comes out. Never heard that one. And I don't know if that sticks around, but uh, I was very like, oh, my God, Cole, just shut up and never say that again. Right. You're like, right. Like hashtag pain syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what does that even mean? Oh, uh, man, so bad. So lame. Mm-hmm. So lame. <laughs> All right, we have, um, here's a nothing match that never even gets to really start. It's supposed to be Rhino versus Sean O'Hara, um, but they end up kind of brawling on the outside. O'Hara is choking him with a cord, and then the APA come down and uh, give them an invitation. I guess they're impressed with the brawling, so they uh, they come down and give them an invitation for the barroom brawl, O'Hare stupidly attacks them, uh, but then he dodges this, and um, Ron Simmons gets scored by Ryan on accident, and so uh, they're pissed, so they kind of take him out. But yeah, just kind of a a bunch of brawling to continue to push the APA, and and I guess find a way to get these people involved in this to give them an invite. Yeah, just a way to kind of get them invited to this uh, brawl, whatever it's going to be at the pay-per-view. But, um, yeah, I I, kind of – I won't say I was excited for the match, but I would have liked to have seen where this one could have gone. I think they probably could have had a pretty good little brawl in the ring. So I kind of sad that it got cut off. Yep. All right, we go to Sable in her luxury box, and she's being an asshole and uh, doesn't like her champagne because – um, kind of gives the waitress attitude because her um, 
Her champagne is like chilled. So what a bitch. Riveting, <laughs> riveting stuff. All right. We go to another kind of fun matchup. I was kind of digging this one. Uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Billy Gunn. This is our other semifinal tag, not tag, uh, U.S. title tournament match. Um, and these two, I thought, have had some pretty good chemistry. Like, I dug these two going together. Like, because it's Billy is kind of a low-key power guy, and Eddie is, like, launching himself for all of his stuff. And so it all looks really good. Like, in the early going, hits, like, a scoop slam on Eddie, and Eddie just sells it like crazy, like, just flies up for it. Like, he's doing these, like, uh, like the back body drop where Eddie looks like he goes, like, 12 feet in the air. Just insane bumps by Eddie. And at the same time, I thought Eddie did a good job, like, grounding with the submissions. Um, Billy hits, like, a nice brain. I don't know what you would call it, but it's, like, a brain buster variation that I thought looked really cool. And, again, Eddie sells it like crazy, like, flies up on it. Um, like, uh, and, like, Eddie goes for the rolling verticals. He has to put a little bit extra strength into it, like, all these little things to sell it. Like, because Billy is so, so much bigger than him, he has to use a little bit of extra strength. He goes through the frog splash, misses. But uh, Jamie Noble runs down with a chair. And uh, I thought this finishing sequence for Messi was they executed really well. Like, he comes in, he um, throws the chair, and the rest distracted by Noble. Eddie hits him with the chair, but does the old playing possum where he uh, pretends, like, so the ref doesn't know who got hit with the chair and then slowly crawls on Billy and then steals the win. So, yeah, I dug this match pretty good. I went two and three quarter. Again, I kind of like the chemistry between these two with Billy just throwing Eddie around and then Eddie being crafty enough to pull off the win. And then I, I just like, like Eddie doing something a little bit extra. So it's not just a basic, like, you know, noble comes in and throws the chair, but he does a little bit of extra playing possum just to make it a little more interesting. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I, I went uh three on it. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, this is one of those matches where this, this, this really kind of shows you how big Billy Gunn really is. Cause he kind of towers over Eddie. I mean, Eddie's not, super tiny but uh, compared to billy gunn he's a he, uh, billy gunn kind of towers over him so this is one of those where it kind of shows you how really huge and like a hoss uh, billy gunn is so um but gunn does a pretty cool move at one point where he hits like an arm drag but he kind of turns it into a suplex uh i thought that was really cool um i i, I always think eddie hits a really cool a really good missile drop kick he hits one in this match um, I was impressed that Eddie could hit the three amigos on Billy, just showing off his his own strength. Um, Billy always hits that Cobra Clutch slam. I really like that a lot. Um, and like you said, Jamie Noble comes out with a chair, obviously to distract him from what happened earlier. Um, and then you know Eddie uses uses um uses the chair when the ref is turned away, falls to kind of play like it wasn't him, and then he uses uh, the lie cheat and steal kind of stuff to uh, get the victory in his spot in the finals. But, yeah, I'm with you. I I definitely enjoyed this a lot. Um, Eddie's super talented, and I think Billy Gunn doesn't get – uh, quite the credit he deserves in uh, in some of these singles runs that he's had. He's not the greatest of all time or anything that like that's not what I'm saying, but I definitely think he uh, I definitely think he, he has his spots where he's really really good. Yeah, I think given somebody like Eddie, I think he can go like he can kind of yeah. you know he kind of steps his game up a bit. Yeah, this is real fun. Yeah, he's not going to elevate somebody that's not athletic, but if you mm-hmm. put somebody else in there with him that is athletic, he, he can he can hang with them. Totally. 
All right, we go back up to the luxury suite with Sable, and we uh, we see that Sephic Man has uh, dressed as a waitress in disguise. She pours some wine on Sable, and then they start brawling. And this goes on for like a long time, gets real messy. Like it becomes pretty much a food fight, but like a real brutal one. Like they go in this like catering table. Like Stephanie is like choking on the guacamole. <laughs> like it, it's like it a is. pretty gross. It is very it's like gross a pretty gross. Intense, yeah. yeah, it's a <laughs> gross food fight. Like they're just like smashing the food in Joe's face for like a good three minutes. It was um, it was something. It was, it was real messy. I, I, I think uh, you know we always talk about how much of a psychopath Vince is, but I I think uh, Stephanie got a little bit of that gene because she is insane yeah. in these fights you know she just threatens to kill everybody when she's kicking their ass <laughs> it's so weird um but yeah sable beats the shit out of her for the first like minute i'd <laughs> say and just drags her through all the food like you're saying and she's like choking on shit and stuff like that and then i forget what happens but uh i think sable maybe celebrates uh because you think she's kind of put her down for good and Stephanie comes back and she just, she starts beating the shit out of her and she's like, oh, I'm going to beat your ass and I'll kill you and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's way too intense uh, for, for what it, what it is. So um, just crazy stuff. And uh, obviously Sable slaps the shit out of uh, Josh Matthews. So that's never a bad thing to see. Yeah, like I'll, I'll give it to them. Like they went for it. They didn't have acid on this. It was it was pretty intense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was saying, if the match is that at the pay per view, that that will be uh, that is ideal. So um, if if they go with this and and the match that they're gonna have, uh, I think I think it could be a lot more entertaining than it probably should be. Right. All right. So um, quickly, we're already at our main event here. It's, it's going to be the Big Show and World's Greatest Tag Team. Versus Kurt Angle in a no, false count anywhere no DQ match, um, <laughs> which it's one of these no DQs where I get it kind of seems like you have to tag, but then it, it it seems like they're doing that at first, but then it kind of just goes off the rails. But um, it's kind of going about like last week in the early going, they're just all taking turns beating the piss out of Kurt until he finally gets a chair. And uses that on the big show. They kind of start brawling into the crowd um, with world's greatest tag team and angle. Shelton ends up going through one of the uh, old school metal barricades, which was a good spot. They kind of work their way onto the entrance ramp. And uh, it's some real good, like wild brawling between these guys. Um, finally, they make their way back to the ring. Angle cleans house with a trash can lid. He's kind of back in trouble uh, until his old pal Zach Gowan comes in and starts throwing some kicks and gets some big pops in the crowd until Big Show throws him um, into the barricade. Uh, uh, Kurt's fired up here. He, uh, I love this. Like him, just like um, like they go at him. He just immediately like blocks with his form and rolls right into the ankle lock. Was really good. Um, angle blast show at the steps on the outside. Uh, Shelton comes in to save Haas. He actually kicks Haas, and now Shelton's isolated. And uh, Angle is able to actually lock in the ankle lock, overcome the odds, and win the handicap match here. So I thought this was much better than the one last week. I think it's because mm-hmm. Kurt got a lot more hope spots. I think they went a little more balls to the wall with all the crowd brawling and stuff. And I think Kurt is just a little bit better like in more – um, like apt to find this kind of style, like underneath, like he knows how to time these comebacks and stuff. 
And um, I thought it was more interesting. I thought the finish was real fun with Zach Gallon coming in and throwing the kicks to kind of help him out. And then like um, like the finish with Sheldon uh, accidentally kicking Haas was good. Like it all kind of made sense as the way it all came together for Angle to steal it. So yeah, I kind of dug it. It felt much hotter, more interesting because the one last week seemed like all of it was just Brock getting decimated, and they did all a little bit here, but they, you know, it it kind of built to Kurt slowly fighting his way through this until he's finally able to pull it off. So I went three on this. I thought this was pretty fun, given that it's a tough kind of match to to pull off. Yeah, I went three as well. I, I definitely think it was better than last week for sure. Like you said, I think Angle's just a little better at this point at, uh, you know, like kind of playing underneath and knowing when to time his spots where he needs to get his uh, stuff in. Um, but uh, I thought World's Greatest Tag Team was clearly trying to get out some frustration earlier on their on their old boss. They really beat the crap out of him in the early early going. Um they both get uh, kicked in the nuts at one point, and uh, Taz says they both took shots to the yam bags. Uh, so I'll always love when uh, <laughs> Taz calls them the good old yam bags. Um, Angle gets a trash can lit at one point and just h- hits a bunch of gross shots with that. Um, you were kind of talking about it earlier with the false count anywhere, no DQ thing, and the tags. Like, Obviously, while you're in the ring, you have to tag in and out for whatever reason. But like, if you're the team of three and there's no countouts or whatever, why would you not always be on the outside and at all three right. attack him and just beat him senseless, roll him back in the ring and pin him? Uh, or you know, you don't have to roll him back in the ring. But like, why would you ever be in the ring? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you you know, you mentioned uh, Benjamin took that uh, nasty spot to the uh, guardrail. I like that spot a lot um he i mean uh, there's another point when angle gets the trash can lids again and just tees off on everybody big show haas and benjamin um i, I like that gowan kind of came out and got involved in this and helped angle out a little bit um but obviously show grabs him and t- takes him out uh for a little bit um obviously at multiple points it seems like angles kind of have it hasn't won but he c- continuously keeps getting cut off uh I think he has the ankle lock on Haas at one point and show kind of breaks it up. Um, and then Gowan kind of gets back in eventually kind of helps him, uh, take out everybody. And then he gets the uh, ankle lock on Benjamin and gets him to tap. So, uh, yeah, just a really valiant effort by Kurt. Um, I thought the world's greatest tag team looked really good in this. Um, obviously again, they're still trying to put over big show as the monster that can hang with, uh, Brock and angle and, uh, trying to give him, any chance of uh, uh, winning the title uh, when vengeance rolls around. But uh, yeah, definitely a really good match and definitely better than last week. Yeah. Until we wrap up, that wraps up SmackDown. Uh, I think this is a bit not kind of revealing the rewards, but I think this is a little bit better than raw. There wasn't a whole lot happening like storyline wise, but I thought in ring was a lot more entertaining. We had a few good matches. The main event was good. Um, the Benoit Matt match was good. Eddie Billy was pretty fun. So I thought as like an in-ring show, they kind of had enough to kind of keep this a little entertaining. So I'm going to go probably like a four and a half, like just below average, but again, enough in-ring stuff to kind of keep it pretty fun. Yeah. I'd, I'd give it the f- uh, five out of 10. I, I think mm-hmm. the in-ring stuff was really strong. We, we gave, uh, I gave three, three, three plus star matches. So, uh, I, I definitely think it was a really strong in ring, uh, 
in-ring uh, show, but um, uh, yeah, definitely not too much in the storyline. And a lot of Vince and a lot of Stephanie and uh, Sable and stuff like that. So it's, you know, those are those are interesting stories, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the matches at Vengeance. But a um, little too much of that uh, storyline-wise, so, uh, you know, uh, it could have uh, been a little bit stronger on that kind of stuff. But, yeah, definitely not a bad show and way better than uh, the Raw we just watched. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely a good, definitely a solid earring show for sure. Yeah, I'd probably, think, I'd probably want it to a five, too. It's just kind of an average good yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. Vince stuff was a little empty, I think. It was kind of just pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's get to some awards. Uh, best match, I'm going to go Billy Eddie, I think. Uh, I am going to go uh, Benoit, uh, Matt. Both very good. Um, I don't know about best moment, but I'll say moment of the night is definitely JR being lit on fire. I don't know if best <laughs> moment is the way to say it, but it's definitely like the most memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's got to be it for sure. Um, best show, SmackDown. SmackDown. Mm-hmm. MVP, I think I'm going to go Kurt. Uh... I'm going to go Matt Hardy just because he got his face just destroyed. <laughs> he, he really took a shit kicking from Benoit in that one. I'm, I'm going to give Matt some props. He's a better beard. <laughs> um, him, him and his L- sock. <laughs> right. LVP was super easy. That's going to go with Maven. That, he was horrible. Yep, Maven for sure. Um, any other standout performances besides your MVP? Um. We kind of mentioned it. Billy and Eddie uh, both did really well. Um, Benoit, uh, obviously. Um, And then, yeah, Angle. Uh, Angle probably really is the MVP, but yeah, Angle definitely uh, deserves a shout-out in there for sure. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Always Kurt, Eddie, Billy Gunn. Uh, You know, I thought Cena was pretty good. He's always pretty entertaining when you have these spots. Um, He makes the most of his time. Um let's see anybody on raw man no. <laughs> i mean i guess kane you know like kane he is buying into the character like yeah so i'll give him some props on that and evolution maybe, was good too evolution yeah I was saying, was maybe good. maybe randy for getting all the uh the pins in the elimination match but yeah yeah raw was rough rodney mack definitely ain't getting it sure. <laughs> rodney mack definitely ain't getting in the end in, of these uh honorable mentions <laughs> no way all right, Logan, another one in the books. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, but the Kane one, the Kane lighting on fire, That is, I think that's one that a lot of people remember. I, it's one of the few things I remember very vividly from this late, from the second half of 2003. Like, a lot of this gets fuzzy for me, but I certainly remember that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the Kane stuff is some, some of that stuff that uh, kind of stands out in your mind from this era. I feel like we'll come along, along a lot of those in this in this storyline going forward. Um, maybe maybe not famous or infamous <laughs> for good reasons, but uh, we, we will come across quite a few of those with Kane in the next few months. For there's, there's at least one more that I remember. I don't know exactly when it's coming up, but I remember it, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, there, there are more than than you realize, but yes, I, I believe I know the one you're speaking of. Um, but what's also ridiculous is how much amazing content you can find on North South Connection and um, in the podcast that Logan does. Tell us about it, Logan. 
Um, me and you both do Highway to the Impact Zone. We kind of mentioned that earlier. Um, we're kind of, or we're getting closer and closer to, uh, to number 100, but we just did Bound for Glory 06. Um, that's kind of a real touchstone uh, show for them. Uh, it's it's just a big event. I, it made a ton of money. It's their first, uh, or a ton of money for them, I should say. Um, but uh, it's their first uh, pay-per-view outside of the Impact Zone, so uh, just just a real big show for them. Um, it, it was a pretty good show, I'd say. Um, definitely one of our better pay-per-views in the last few months, I'd say. But, um, yeah, just a real bit, real important show for them. Um, but we'll build off of that on our next episode, kind of head towards the next pay-per-view. Um, but uh, also, me and you do Linking Up Luchas. You do, uh, you're do. you on a team with uh, Jenny. Uh, we just recorded an episode of that the other night. Um had a ton of fun doing that. Uh, kind of getting close to where we're going to get to Ultima Lucha. Where we, we've got about uh, eight or eight or so episodes left uh, before we get to the end of the season. So definitely looking to see how that will finish up. And then me and you also do uh, YouTube roulette with uh, Matt and Scott uh, where we watch random YouTube stuff. So uh, definitely a ton of fun on all of those. And I'm glad to have you as a podcasting buddy that does everything with me, apparently. <laughs> Ditto, pal. Ditto. <laughs> also, uh, talking if, docs, uh, we mm-hmm. just recorded an episode of that mm-hmm. as well. Perfect. And if you'd like to know about it, you know, we got the, well, I guess when this has a rumble, I've just happened. Um, you want to you call your spot, Logan? Who's winning the Royal Rumble? I, as much as I despise the man, I think CM Punk's going to pull it off. So I think it's going to wow. still be him and Rollins uh, at Mania. So definitely looking at that one. All right. So we are recording this before. This will drop after the Rumble. But anyway, what I was saying is it's Rumble and, and Mania season coming in. And we do have things on the North South Connection where people talk about wrestling that is currently happening. Not some <laughs> shit from 2003 like I do, like we do on this podcast. So you can go check that out. There's a lot of video content and stuff. Ranking um, all the WrestleMania matches. Just a lot of insanity. So if you're into that, check that out. But if you would like to hear more about 2003, join us again next time in a couple weeks. And we'll continue this trek and see the uh, go further down the, uh, the demented mind of uh, Kane. So we'll see you then. See you then. Bye.